Before I begin, just as a disclaimer, this is not medical advice. Always consult with your physician, follow your state and local cannabis laws. Welcome to Bravo and Blaze. I am your host, Jenny Blaze, and today we have a very special guest that I am incredibly honored to have today. Please allow me to introduce Dr. Simone of Bravo's Married to Medicine. Hello. Hi, Hi, Dr. Simone. How are you? I am doing great. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being here. We are here to talk about women's health and cannabis. And because this is a very large and vast topic, I wanted to focus on your thoughts and opinions from the standpoint of an OBGYN who practices in a state where cannabis is technically still not legal and classified as a controlled substance. However, as I'm sure you are aware, there are many states in the U.S. that have reformed their state legislation to where cannabis is now legal medically as well as recreationally. And I'm not quite sure when to expect Georgia to change if it ever does. However, I am curious to get your thoughts because if or when cannabis does become legal in your state, this may have some impact on your practice at some point. So my question, just to open it up, is cannabis use even something you discuss with your patients regularly? I have lots of discussions with my patients about cannabis because women are always coming in and they have questions. We know that there are some negative effects with marijuana, smoking marijuana during mm-hmm. pregnancy. So my advice is always going to be to avoid marijuana use in pregnancy. And research is starting to show that there may be some developmental delays. We. Still, autism is a big area, a big unknown area with more research needed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always constantly reminding patients not to add to the risk of developmental delays or autism in there. Oh, absolutely. So um, I'm just wondering for, so for myself, I actually wound up weaning off of pharmaceutical medication by slowly um, microdosing cannabis over time. This was like maybe over a nine month period of time. Mm -hmm. And I was actually at that time trying to conceive. And I thought, you know, maybe if I get off all this medication that could help me. And I was getting to a point where I may go see, you know, fertility doctor or something like that. But then once I weaned off all of the medication I naturally became pregnant. And I, at the time, this is like six years ago. um, And it was, I I live in New York. It was only uh, medically legal in New York at the time. And -hmm. there hadn't really been people who had gone through this experience. And I remember just going to my OBGYN to get, you know, to confirm my pregnancy. And they threatened to call CPS on me if I came back with THC in my system. So just to be safe, you know, I quit and I really didn't love my pregnancy experience. I wound up switching to midwives for my next pregnancy and they were supportive of me, you know, consuming, you know, at in moderation, but I was really kind of almost like a guinea pig. And I know that, you know, a lot has happened Um, In the last six years, like you said, there's new studies that show, you know, the pros and cons of these things. So I was just wondering if you did have a patient come in and let's say they were, they had a similar situation to me where they said, you know, I was on medication, but now 
I, you know, medicate with cannabis, how would you handle a situation like that? So over the years, I've had several patients who are on cannabis. They are honest about their cannabis use. We talk about it at the beginning of pregnancy. I try to encourage them, especially during the first trimester when the baby is developing, not yeah. to be on cannabis uh, because we would hate for there to be any mishap or congenital anomaly. And then you're questioning yourself later. Yeah. Uh, but I don't dismiss the patient from my practice. I am no longer testing for cannabis in my practice, but we continue to have a two-way conversation about what the patient is going through, where she feels like she needs cannabis, and whether or not there is a place for prescription medicine. I'm a Western doctor. <laughs> I practice Western medicine, and mm -hmm. I believe Sometimes there is a place for uh, prescription medicine. Mm -hmm. Certainly there are plenty of times where we do have to look at all natural ways and natural remedies to uh, treat um, things, medical problems that arise. But for the most part, I like to have a two-way conversation. And as long as my patient is informed, Mm -hmm. And she knows what the research does show, what has not been researched yet. That is going to be up to her because ultimately you're carrying your baby and you're the one who's going to take your baby home. I'm not taking your baby home. <laughs> and the risk that you're willing mm -hmm. to undergo during your pregnancy, ultimately mm -hmm. it's still up to you. Yeah. So it sounds like you like to empower your patients and really mm -hmm. keep an open dialogue. That I love that. That sounds great. Yes. So to get away from pregnancy and cannabis, because that is a very touchy topic that we just jumped into. Yeah. Outside of pregnancy for women, do you see cannabis affecting women's health in any other way? Maybe postpartum, menopause, or any other, maybe like just monthly through their cycle. Mm -hmm. I am seeing that cannabis is having a positive effect with women who experience nausea and vomiting for various reasons, anxiety, premenstrual syndrome, or PMS. And uh, I'm also seeing that women use it for pain. So she may have generalized aches from a specific problem or non-specific problem and back pain. And I've had several patients come in and talk about the benefit that they are having just with pain relief with cannabis. Yeah, that's great. Speaking of nausea and vomiting, I have a question. Are you familiar with cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome or CHS? Where the patient is having withdrawals from cannabis use and... So, well, that's the thing. It's kind of like a new diagnosis that we're seeing where if a patient goes to an emergency room and they're vomiting, well, this happened to me many times and it happened after, it only happened to me after I had a stillbirth. And I, I feel strongly that I think it has to do with my hormones or something. And I even, so every time I would go into the ER, I was vomiting. I couldn't stop. 
I think now looking back, because it happened a few times and but looking how at- How is that connected to cannabis though? Because they said, whenever they asked, you know, like what prescriptions are you on? Did you drink alcohol? They would ask, I would just tell them I'm a medical marijuana patient. And that's when they would stop asking questions and they yeah. would say, you have CHS. And that's what they would put on the diagnosis and then send me home. Meanwhile, I have spoken to a lot of people because I post these things on my social media account. And I've had people say, oh my God, the same thing happened to me. And turns out I had a herniated umbilical cord or I had um, a ruptured, uh, I don't know, something else. So I was just wondering because on the last time this happened to me, one of the doctors said, or asked me, are you on your period? And I was like, so taken aback. I was like, excuse me. I was like, why? And he said, well, we're seeing that sometimes during certain times of your cycle that this is happening to some women. And I was like, actually, yeah, I am on my period. So that happened to me a few times. And I asked the nurse, and this is all anecdotal, obviously. Um, I asked one of the nurses there, I said, hey, by any chance, when you see people come in like this, is it typically men or women? And she's like, you know what, honestly, I don't know. I work on a different floor usually. So she left, she comes running back in, not, you know, like five minutes later and said, oh my God, you would not believe this. I asked another nurse who is down here all the time. She said she's never seen a man with CHS. However, granted, I do know, I've heard other, I've heard men say that they've had it. So I don't think this is just a woman's issue. However, it's just, this is something new that I'm like discovering. So I was just wondering if you had any insight into that, if there was any correlation. No, I'm not dealing with that or not having women coming in questioning it. Not at all. Wow. I hope I'm not like the first. <laughs> well, no, that one nurse said she's seen it before. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I know. Well, it's just, I, I just want to get your thoughts to see if maybe that's something that you've heard in your, you know, community and industry, but we're running out of time. So before we go, I wanted to quickly mention your upcoming episode, which is airing on December 3rd. And uh, the episode description is resurrection rejection. The ladies receive a mysterious invitation from Phaedra. Will Dr. Simone come up with a plan to get the empty nest she's been dreaming of? Sweet Tea reveals an ongoing personal issue to Toya and Dr. Simone. A strange night in Phaedra's funeral home brings a familiar face back from the dead. Any tea for us? Anything you can give us to tease us on what to expect? Well, this episode on Sunday, even after 10 years of filming, had me surprised. Stop right? it. I didn't even think I could be surprised at the links people will go to, to prove a point. Oh my goodness. And that do we really good. have to go that far to prove a point? Oh my gosh. You were good at teasing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to close out, I want to thank you so much for being here, Dr. Simone. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you. To everyone listening and watching, make sure you check out Married to Medicine on Bravo every Sunday at 9 p.m. Available next day on Peacock. Stay lit, y'all.